This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever, and you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rockstar with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. The impeachment inquiry in Washington has focused on U.S. relations with one particular country, Ukraine. And there's one member of President Trump's cabinet who's perhaps spent the most time there on the ground. This is a really important piece of dirt in the grand scheme of things. Secretary of Energy Rick Perry. Rick Perry's had close partnerships in Ukraine. As Energy Secretary, he's worked with gas companies in the region. And he's been a top liaison with the Ukrainian government. Because of that relationship, he's also gotten caught up in the impeachment inquiry. And now, Perry has informed the White House that he will resign by the end of the year. In an exclusive interview, Rick Perry opened up to one of our reporters about what he's been doing in Ukraine, how it involved President Trump, and what it has to do with the president's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani. Today on the show, Rick Perry tells his side of the Ukraine story. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. And I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Friday, October 18th. Secretary? Thanks so much for having me. We've met several times, never one-on-one. This was our first time, uh, at least in D.C., that it's just been the two of us. Tim Puko covers the Department of Energy. And on Wednesday, Tim met with Secretary Perry in his favorite building. The Department of Energy headquarters. It's widely renowned as one of the ugliest buildings in a town full of them. It is the most brutal of the brutalist. And Perry's office is a bit of a contrast to that. When I came in here and needed a little bit of little bit of sprucing up. It so has a very soft touch to it. A, a lot of earth tones, cream carpet, wood frames on a lot of large uh, paintings. It's very heavy on Texas. And the Republic of Texas was formed. And so Perry and I are just kind of chatting casually. He's showing me his office. And then as we sit down, they came prepared with a sheet that listed all the times that he had been to Ukraine. This is a timeline of when we started engaging Ukraine. This is my Ukraine history in the sense of here's the first time we met. Here's who we met with. So it's just a white sheet of paper, your standard 8 by 11 with the most basic of Microsoft fonts with simple information about who he's meeting and what month and what year. You know, these meetings go back to 2017, his first few months running DOE. When Perry became the Secretary of Energy in 2017, long before the current scandal surrounding Ukraine, he saw the country as a key part of the U.S.'s global energy strategy. Why Ukraine? I mean, you know, and I think that's a legitimate question for an American to ask. Why Ukraine? Why is that important? Well, it's important from a strategic standpoint. It's an important natural resource. You've got the Russians that really want Ukraine back in their Mm -hmm. 
sphere of influence. Ukraine is often seen as a gateway between Russia and the rest of Europe. We want American gas to be sold into Europe. One of the real keys to that is opening up Ukraine. Because Ukraine, if you get into Ukraine, then you can go into some other parts of of Europe, partly because of the infrastructure that's already there. For all of these reasons, the potential business opportunities and the strategic importance of keeping Russian influence out of the country, Ukraine became a focus for Secretary Perry. But for the U.S. to really make inroads in the country, Perry had to think about an issue that's come up over and over in relation to Ukraine and in the current scandal, corruption. Secretary Perry's primary goal was to get Ukraine to reform, to make it less corrupt, to make it more transparent, to make it easier for U.S. businesses to form partnerships there. That was what he wanted to do from the start. And so what unfolds across the next two years is him being in frequent contact with Ukrainian officials, talking with them about, in many cases, reform. And earlier this year, Perry gets a bigger role in the U.S.-Ukraine relationship, right? Yes. So this starts in May of this year. There's a new Ukrainian president. President Zelensky is a neophyte. Nobody in the administration knows what to make of him. The U.S. planned to send a delegation to President Zelensky's inauguration. At first, Vice President Pence was meant to go, but he canceled his trip. Later, a whistleblower would come forward to allege that Trump asked Pence not to go because he was unhappy with Ukraine. Either way, Secretary Perry was asked to go in his place. To Perry, it makes all the sense in the world that he should go. He already knows a lot of people in Ukraine. He's already been there. It's a country that he has been trying for more than a year to have an influence on, to make an impact in. And, and he accepts. Perry didn't go alone. Other administration officials joined him. And two of those officials have been caught up in the impeachment probe because of questions over their role in the U.S.-Ukraine relationship. So Ambassadors Kurt Volker and Gordon Sundland, they're the two most notable people who end up with him on this trip. These three become known as the Three Amigos. They call themselves that. They all have a similar agenda in Ukraine. Broadly, they all have some sort of anti-corruption agenda. They all want to make sure that the new Ukrainian regime is prepared to play ball with the Americans. And the three of them basically become the appointment for the whole administration on dealing with the country. And when Perry's on this trip to Ukraine, what is the opportunity that he sees? The first thing that he wants to know is if the new president is basically going to be receptive to his ideas. President Zelensky is a former comedian who came to power in Ukraine on an anti-corruption agenda. So for Perry, going to the inauguration is a great opportunity for him to meet President Zelensky one-on-one and try to gauge if Zelensky will be the ally that he hopes. Kind of size him up and look him in the eye. Yes, yes, Perry, the Texan, the retail politician, absolutely wants to to size him up and and start that personal relationship. Perry tells the story of of one of their first interactions. He said, you've got to have people around you that can't be criticized because they're, you know, 
close to oligarchs or they got, you know, uh, corruption uh, shadow on them. I said, you, you, you just, you've got to do that, Mr. President. And he was like, we'll point anybody in, my, in this room that uh, you think is corrupt. And I said, that's not my point. I said, you just need to understand, Mr. President, that we can't go tell folks that they need to come and invest in this country if the corruption issue is not addressed. And anybody can read corruption into what they want to say corruption is. But, I mean, we all know it when we see it, right? That old saying. And and so we were we really hammered that home to him. And I felt comfortable after that meeting. I said, you know what? This guy ran on cleaning up the country. This guy has, has made that, you know, one of his real priorities, you know, I'm comfortable that I can go to the president of the United States and say, Mr. President, this guy is going to do what he said he would do, is get the country headed in the right direction, that Americans can come over there and invest and feel like there's going to be respect of the rule of law and there's going to be transparency. What made you feel that way? Like, I mean, his English is good it. enough to understand when we're talking about, Mr. President, you got to clean up the corruption. He said, we're doing it. He said, I ran on it. He said, you go talk to the people that, uh, you know, of this country. That's why they elected me with 70% of the vote. So... Perry comes away convinced that he has a partner. After sizing Zelensky up, Perry was confident that Zelensky was going to clean up corruption and that would open up a lot of opportunities to the U.S. But Perry still had to convince President Trump to work with Ukraine. And that's after the break. Welcome back. When Perry and the ambassadors returned from Ukraine in May, they thought that the new president would root out corruption and that the rule of law would make Ukraine a good place to do business. But President Trump needed to be convinced. And so the three amigos, Perry, Volker, Sondland, and other officials met with Trump. They wanted the president to do something to help legitimize this new Ukrainian regime. And they make the case yes, Mr. President, you should support this regime with a meeting or at the very least a phone call. The president's like, you know, until I'm comfortable that these guys have straightened up their act. And so what did straighten up their act mean? And the president said, visit with, with Rudy. And that's Rudy, Rudy Giuliani, meaning the president's personal lawyer who does not have an official role with the administration. Yes. So did Perry talk about what his reaction was to getting that directive from the president? Not explicitly, but he seemed frustrated with the fact that he could not convince the president to do this. But in trying to interpret what the president was saying or what the issue was, he seemed eager to talk to Giuliani. He had no qualms. He never, to me, he expressed no qualms about making that call. And I called, and we had never had a conversation before. I called Mayor Giuliani and said, okay, tell me what's going on here. We're trying to get these folks in to meet so that we can move forward with some good economic development, sell them gas. And the president just ain't interested in talking. And as I recall the conversation, he said, look, the president is really concerned that there are people in Ukraine that tried to beat him during his presidential election. He thinks they're corrupt. Giuliani starts to explain a lot of these things tie in to the 2016 election. He lays out three things. The dossier, 
put together by the former British intelligence officer Christopher Steele that outlined Donald Trump's connections in Russia, uh, Hillary Clinton's email server, and then evidence against Paul Manafort, uh, the former Trump campaign chairman, evidence that, that ultimately led to Manafort um, being convicted. He said, hell, the Russian dossier didn't come from Russia. It was manufactured in Ukraine. Rudy told you that he, on the phone. Rudy told yeah. me that on the phone. He said the Russian dossier was created in Ukraine. He said the server that they got with uh, Hillary Clinton's emails is in Ukraine. He said the craft that they dreamed up uh, and pushed out on Manafort came out of Ukraine. I don't know whether that was crap or what, but I'm just saying there were three things that he said. That's the reason the president didn't trust these guys. And what was your reaction to hearing all this? You know, for however many months we've been having conversations with Ukrainians, we'd heard that the country's corrupt. That kind of conduct sounds like corrupt activities. Our reporting shows that those claims are unsubstantiated. And in this phone call, did Giuliani bring up Joe Biden or his son Hunter, who, as we've learned in recent weeks, have been a focus of the president's when it comes to corruption in Ukraine? No. Perry says that, that Giuliani never mentioned that in the phone call. And Perry is adamant that the president, nobody on the White House team, nobody in the Zelensky administration in Ukraine ever mentioned the Bidens, um, that that never came up. Never. Not in one conversation. Not from the president not from Gordon Sondland, not from Kurt Volker, not from anybody on the Zelensky team, did I ever hear the name Biden. Never. Not once. The details of this phone call hadn't been reported before, and we haven't seen a transcript of it. But Giuliani confirmed the call and what he discussed with Perry. In an interview with Wall Street Journal reporter Rebecca Ballhouse, Giuliani said, quote, Everything I said there, I probably said on television 50 times. These are the things that are irritating the president, that his concerns about, quote-unquote, corruption in Ukraine all tie back into his own political career and specifically what happened in the 2016 election. Okay, so given everything that's gone on with this impeachment inquiry, why does this call between Perry and Giuliani matter? It matters because... Giuliani matters. Giuliani is at the center of all this to try to understand how the president was thinking about Ukraine. You have to understand what Giuliani was telling him and the influence that Giuliani was exerting. So knowing that yet yeah, another cabinet secretary or another high-ranking Trump administration official, I think we're up to about half a dozen now, who are in direct contact, who are put into direct contact with Giuliani rather than the official diplomatic apparatus. It just shows how far Giuliani's influence was reaching. Secretary Perry tends to be one of the more candid cabinet members, and he spoke very openly about his interactions with Giuliani in a way that we have not heard detailed by any of the other cabinet members or high-ranking officials who have had these, these kind of phone calls with Giuliani. What else do we know about what some of these other officials have said in closed-door testimony as part of the House impeachment probe regarding Rudy Giuliani? 
a lot of the diplomats who've testified so far, from what we can ascertain, have homed in on this exact point. A lot of the concerns that are at the center of the impeachment probe are about exactly what Giuliani was doing there and why he had so much power acting on the president's behalf outside official diplomatic channels. On Thursday, in prepared testimony to the House, another amigo, the U.S. ambassador to the European Union, Gordon Sondland, echoed this sentiment. He said, quote, Our view was that the men and women of the State Department, not the president's lawyer, should take responsibility for all aspects of U.S. foreign policy toward Ukraine. He also said that, quote, It was apparent to all of us that the key to changing the president's mind on Ukraine was Mr. Giuliani. Perry said effectively that, too. When he needed advice on how to reach the president, yeah, Giuliani was was the guy who he was going to get it from. Giuliani was his Trump whisperer. I mean, this is the cabinet secretary who has personal meetings with the president, and he can't get an answer directly from President Trump. To some, that would certainly raise red flags. I don't know that it raised a red flag with Secretary Perry, but he knew, um, because the president told him directly, that if he wanted to understand how to influence the the president, that he was going to have to to do it through Giuliani, or at least do it with Giuliani's help. So Perry has been subpoenaed by the House as part of this impeachment inquiry. What did Perry tell you about testifying? It sounds like he's not going to comply. We are in counsel with the White House counsel Mm -hmm. and the counsel here. And they will give us appropriate direction at that time. You said before that you'd comply with whatever Congress asked. Um, did something change? or what's uh, the Well, what changed was the, uh, the White House counsel sent out a, a, a directive. And but you accept that. You have no, I'm, if they tell you not to comply with Congress in the end, you'll. I'm, I'm pretty much on the team. Okay. Um, I know who I work for. You talked to the secretary on Wednesday. And That's right. yesterday, Thursday, Perry announced his resignation. Was there any hint in your interview about the resignation? He left the door open to it. I'm still on the job today. I expect to be on the job tomorrow. I full well expect to be employed by the Department of Energy on Thanksgiving when the Aggies play uh, LSU. In December through the year's end? Uh, I don't know. You know. Someday they will continue to guess that I'm leaving and be right. So to me, I took that as him suggesting that that maybe Thanksgiving would would be it for him. And do you have any sense of why he is resigning? Do you think it is tied to the impeachment inquiry? We've heard some fairly good intel so often that he might move on for one reason or another or at one time or another. Suggests to me that that maybe not. Uh, Think about all the cabinet members who were left. So Perry hanging on for this long is a pretty good run. Um, It it wouldn't make sense to me if this was just sort of a a more natural departure. Do you see his resignation in any way a signal that he's willing to break from the administration? No, no. He's been very clear the whole time that um, he's on Team Trump. It's a weird contrast with him because when he ran for president in 2015 against Donald Trump. He was one of the most vocal critics of Trump that there was. And he went on to then become one of the most loyal 
cabinet members that Trump has. He's never suggested since coming here anything other than loyalty. So if he did another about face, that would be a surprise again. That's all for today, Friday, October 18th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. We are your hosts, Ryan Knudsen. And Kate Leinbaugh. We're produced by Annie Minoff, Ricky Novetsky, Sarah Platt, and Willa Rubin. Our senior producer is Pia Gudkari. Annie Rose Strasser is our supervising producer. Griffin Tanner is our engineer. Our executive producer is Gerard Cole. Our theme music is by Haley Shaw. Additional music this week from Blue Dot Sessions and from Billy Libby and Haley Shaw. Additional mixing this week from Keegan Zima. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday.